0: the morning and I'm so glad I did and I'm glad you got up early in the morning too sister all right all y'all but sister not the least of which is because you made some people uncomfortable baby all right now come on this church we speak the truth I know not like those other churches I know, it's going to be one of those days. Can you feel it? <laughs> Happy Pride. hmm Happy Pride. And that goes for all y'all. If you're sitting out there and you're thinking, I am just somebody's parent. <laughs> oh, I'm just somebody's friend. <laughs> I'm just somebody's child, neighbor. I'm just checking you out. Happy Pride to you, too, because those of us that show up in this place, we're all about the love. If you're here, you're about the love, too. Hello, welcome. Welcome, welcome, welcome. I got up early this morning preparing for this moment. I got up early so that I could pray so that I could review the things that I had been reading and writing through this week, so that I could be in the presence of the memories of the people who stand with me and before me here, so that I could receive a sense of connection with God. It is An almost ridiculous privilege to stand where I'm standing here with you all in the house of God this morning and so I needed to prepare I got up early this morning to prepare so I painted my toenails this nice metallic neutral color I'm wearing strappy sandals. (laughs) You think I would show up in front of you all with this great humbling privilege without painted toenails and strappy sandals? Think again. I got up early this morning to prepare. I finished the nails. I put on some gender-appropriate undergarments that would work well with the fitted silhouette of this suit. (laughs) Because I'm standing in front of a whole lot of people, (laughs) y'all. Have to look right. (laughs) Got up early this morning so I could prepare properly and apply some makeup with just the right blend of naturally pleasing, but not overly sultry. I'm preaching, you know, and I don't want you distracted (laughs) from the Word of God today. Takes a lot of work to prepare. (laughs) Takes a lot of work to get myself looking like, as an old friend of mine would say, a well-behaved lesbian for you all. (laughs) Thing is, I'm neither one of those things. (laughs) Yes. I said neither one. I am queerer than I look. Loving in the war years takes this kind of risking. Hmm. Loving in the war years. Make no mistake, that's what we're doing here. If you have any doubt about it, look around you. There are empty seats. Many of our brothers and sisters and loved ones, and those we could be loving are missing in action this morning. We're loving in the war years. I'm gonna share some stories for some of those that aren't here yet. I'm gonna be sharing some stories from this place where I stand And I want to be very clear with you all, these stories are not my stories to share. But I'm the one standing here, no small part, because I look like a well-behaved lesbian. Because I am white and educated and articulate. Because when I walk into a room, people do not look at me as if I am wearing the wrong clothes. When I speak to people, even if I come out to them, they feel strangely comfortable with me. It is not strange. It's because I look like women are supposed to look and they can forget that I'm queer if they like. I stand here because I can, because the world in which we live gives me permission while it denies many others permission. The stories that I am going to speak of today, I speak of for people who can't stand here so easily because they are not white like me. And they do not have the privilege I have of education because maybe they are poor and they haven't been able to have the luxury of going to school because maybe they couldn't afford that in the first place or they had to support their family members or do any other number of things that people who are poor have to do in order to live other than sit in a classroom and learn to speak as fancy as I can. I get to stand here and tell you some stories of people of transgender experience and gender non-normative experience precisely because I look like I do. And I'm going to tell you these stories not just to tell them, but because I love these people. Let me be very clear with you. I love you and our people so much that I envisioned preaching this moment and tearing my heart open before you to try and show you what that costs so that we would all know how beautiful it is and how possible and how absolutely necessary it is in the name of the God who has created each and every one of us. And so I share these stories because of loving the people whose stories I'm sharing. I am queerer than you think because of those whom I love. I'm going to tell you story about Kenneth. I have mentioned this man before, but I am speaking today in part because of him, and so I want to lift his name one more time and say when I was first interning in ministry in New York City, I was doing a task for someone. They asked me to run some copies that advertised a transgender health Forum and Opportunity Health Fair that was taking place in the city, and I was running those copies so we'd have them available for folks who showed up at church that day, and as I was there, Kenneth came into the room. Kenneth is a trans man who has lived a life where so many people have told him that he is not who he thinks he is, that he has trouble figuring out whether they're right or wrong sometimes. And because of that, he has been told that who he thinks he is is a result of a mental illness. And he's been told it so many times that it starts to be a little crazy-making. He's not sure anymore who's right. Kenneth came into the room, and he had fresh stitches all along his face. It was actually very startling. Kenneth gets beat up some. The streets of New York are rough. They are rougher if you don't look like you should in the world. And Kenneth had been attacked because he was not properly male. If he was a man, he could fight like a man. And so they took a knife and cut his face open. He came into the space where I was running off those copies. He said to me, what are you doing? He was angry. I said, I'm running off copies for the transgender health fair. He said, why are you doing that? Why do you care? And I remember his story right now because those questions matter. Why was I doing that? And why do I care? I'm going to tell you a story about my friend Teresa, also from my time in New York. Teresa is a transgender woman of African Caribbean descent. She would come and meet with me and speak to me with anger and confusion and passion about how it was that she was supposed to make her way through the world? Could she believe really that God would make a way for her? Because it surely did not seem so ever since she gave up her life as a man who was teaching in a local community college so that she could be who it is she'd been all her life for the first time ever and lost her job, and was on the streets, and could not find a way to get enough money together so that she could have that surgery to get those breasts that are a spiritual issue if it is about having something so you can live the life that God made you to live without being killed for it. And she would say to me, Pastor, are you sure that God loves me the way I am because it surely doesn't feel like it today. And I share her story because she (laughs) showed me the meaning of faith in ways I will never have to learn it, as she had come into herself and persevered through years so that she could make a life for herself, which she has done. I tell you these stories so that you might hear them because we stand together, these people I love. And myself. I want to tell you about James who is in his 70s and how he pulled me over to sit in the pew with him after a service, a wonderful gay man who has had a long and distinguished career in the arts in New York City. He was a set designer for Broadway for many years, well-regarded, lovely man. And taking my hands in his, he sat down with me, he said, pastor tell me again, about your friend who did that thing and transitioned? I was a little confused about why he was asking, but I told him the story about another friend of mine who had had gender reassignment surgery and lived life as who that person was. And he sat there the whole time and just listened and held my hands and tears poured forth down his face. And when I finished telling him the story, he just looked at me and he said, you know, dear, When I was young, I couldn't have even imagined such a thing. And now I'm too old. I just wanted to hear the story about what it would have been like if it had been possible for me. And so, James and I sat and cried as we grieved the life that he never got to have because it was impossible for him to have it. And if you think (laughs) this is a sermon about transgender things, think again. This is a sermon about the right to the fullness of truthful living that is yours, just as you are, and that that's true for all of us. And if you think this isn't a sermon about gender, think again, because it is. And if it feels like I'm getting a little personal about it, I am. Loving is a very personal thing. God's love for you is an absolutely personal thing. We are not saved by an anonymous God. We are saved by the personal love of God, each and every one of us, for each and every one of us, right where we are. It is a very personal thing, this loving that we do. So let me tell you about this, about how a man I loved would bind his breasts so he could get dressed in the clothing that was true for him, so we could go out in the world and he could feel okay to be who he was, so we could have a life together that was joyful and true, and how the next morning when it was time for work, he would close the door so I wouldn't see him as he put on his girl clothes, so he could go to the job that would not let him be who he was because they presumed to know who he should be already so that he could make the money we needed to survive. He was not the only one crying his way to work every morning. Make no mistake, we do not share this place, this God, or these words or prayers for somebody else. Because for every person we think is somebody else, there's somebody just like us who loves them and who is making a life with them and for them. There are mothers and fathers and brothers and sisters, friends and lovers. There is a whole community of people for whom that person's wholeness and wellness is as truly needed as their own life. I'm not preaching for anybody else. I'm preaching for every one of us. How about yesterday when the woman that I love and I go shopping together, and we simply walk through the men's section for the clothing that she wears most comfortably, and have to steel ourselves for the looks that we receive from the men who are correctly male all around us, letting us know in no uncertain terms that we are not supposed to be there and she is not supposed to wear their clothes. And when we finish up and leave, and the child who is staring at us speaks because children do that, (laughs) saying, but aren't you a girl? And I watch the woman I love who drives flatbed trucks, 18 wheelers with steel in a whole world full of men flinch because of the gaze of a child when this strong woman living truthfully in the world has to subject her dignity to the ideas that that child has been given about what is right and what is wrong in girl and boy language don't think that only one heart gets broken This is loving in the war years. This is loving in the war years. And I'm so sorry, I want to make you feel good, but I'm not. Which does she mean? Is she not sorry or does she not want to make us feel good? Because during my prayer time, God says, Make them free, free through love, free for love. And they'll find out it's the same thing. You see, because feeling good is not always so free in the end. And it's joy that God desires. And it is freedom that God desires. And it is love unbound that God has given to us. And so we're settling for nothing less here. So, I to make you feel good, but some of us were just here learning about how to be free, amen? And so let us learn together for a moment. If you think that this is a new topic, that somehow gender nonconformity is a recent phenomenon, think again. Our reading from the scriptures today, from the book of Judges, the reading about Deborah, well, let's just pay attention for a moment. There is a piece called The Song of Deborah that recounts a good portion of the story that you heard in the scripture today. It is considered the oldest text in our Bible. The oldest text in our Bible is a story of a woman who during a time and in a place where women are not even considered anything other than property of men is somehow lifted up, not merely as a good godly woman, but a woman who lives and acts and speaks and moves in a world that belongs to men. Deborah is a judge, the only woman judge. It means that she was the voice for God among God's people. You think the men just said, sure, honey, come on in? (laughs) Yeah, washing up those gourds, that's beneath you. Come on over here. Why don't you just speak the truth of God to the people for a while? Let's see how that goes. And not only did she speak the word of God to God's people, she commanded the army. How do you think they responded when this woman said, I'm going to summon the leader of the armed forces, to me, and tell him, I just heard from God, that you need to go into war on the people's behalf. You think they were just thinking, ah, I wish I thought of that. Thank you so much. (laughs) She did not ask him to agree with her. She did not say, will you commiserate with me? on behalf of the people. No, she said, why don't we step on up and step on out and get right down in there with all those killing people and do some loving in these war years? Why don't we free our people? Because that's what God has told us to do. And he says to her, I'll go if you go. And she says, absolutely. Because we don't love from a distance. And we don't do it on one another's behalf so much as we do it together. That's where liberation comes. God's book tells us we show up here together. If you came here thinking that pride was about the gay people, it's about all of us. And if you go to pride and you think you're looking at people who shouldn't show up here, think again. (laughs) Because it's about all of us in God's house. We're being taught through our scripture today about what it is to stand in the place where we're not supposed to stand because that's where God is. When we do things the way people do things, look what we get. God has a wholly different plan for us all. 20 years, those people were oppressed until Deborah stepped into the place where others were apathetic, where others had given up hope, where others said, this is just the way it is. And she said, it is not. You may not want to hear from me. You may think that I don't have a voice of truth. You may be afraid to step into the battle with me, but I'm going to say it and do it anyway. Are you with me? Because God says God's people need to be free. And that is the peace that God is calling us to. And the people were for 40 years after this period of time and peace was upon the land twice as long as the oppression that they experienced this was God's judgment in and through this manly woman as my mother used to call us This is loving in the war years. And if you think the war takes place only out here, let us be reminded with Audrey Lord's words that it takes place every day. It is taking place right now in your hearts and spirits. I know it is right in here. These are hard words for all of us. These truths call all of us into the places where we might usually prefer not to go. And Audrey Lord speaks about going into those places and calling into our arms the parts of us that are liked and disliked, the bruised parts of us, yes, the little girls in us all. And any part of us resisting that little girl place inside of us just speaks to the misogyny of a world that says somehow having femininity in any form at all is going to kill you. And if you think that isn't part of what homophobia is all about, Let's know that it is. She says, call that into your arms and love that place inside of you from the darkness into the light. It's the only way that I can love you and the only way you can love me. And it's the only way that we are going to be free together. We have to love in the war years right inside where it counts so that we can move from that place together into freedom. So here's the good news, it may be lengthy and difficult, but it is so absolutely assured. If you think I am speaking from a place of hope, let me tell you, I am speaking from a place of fact, a fact available to you right now. Look around you. It is not merely who's missing from these pews and seats that matters. It's who's here that shows the truth of the power and the grace of God. Your presence in this place right now is a testament, a witness to the power and the goodness and the grace and the truth of life and love and God's presence within each of every one of you. This right now is the word of hope and you are embodying it. You did not show up here for nothing, and God did not bring you here for nothing. You are even now bearing forth the light of the one who said, What will we do for each other other than lay down our lives for our friends? What greater love is there than this? We are, and you are, loving in the warriors. It may seem difficult. But let us be clear, it is suicide if we decide it's not possible. And let us remember, everything is possible with our God. Today, let us be reminded that we are called to be true to the impossible truths of ourselves. So let us arm ourselves with the truth of ourselves, whatever that may be, and then let us arm ourselves with our love for one another so that we can stand toe-to-toe in that rigorous loving and make a way for the truth that God is calling forth through God's people, for God's people. Let's risk loving in the warriors. In Jesus' name. Amen. Yeah.